Valentine's Day mean more and save 20%.
It's the Nike Air Zoom Alpha Fly Next Percent. For the past few months, these shoes, along with its predecessor, the Vaporfly, have been the subject of endless controversy and speculation. With its revolutionary new carbon fiber inserts, a super thick sole, and novel propulsion AirPods, this one shoe has made a worldwide impact in a very dramatic way. Back in October of 2019, Elliot Kipchoge became the first person to break the two-hour barrier in the marathon. This time was a towering performance in the athletics world, as Kipchoge averaged under 4 minutes and 34 seconds per mile for 26 full miles. Running through the streets of Vienna, Austria, Kipchoge's time was simply unparalleled. And guess what shoes he had for this performance? You guessed it, the Nike Alpha Fly. At the time, these shoes carried a full three carbon fiber inserts, creating a very powerful and effective propulsion system that greatly enhanced his running efficiency. This was the first time anyone had ever seen this breakthrough design, and Nike clearly chose the perfect athlete on the perfect day for this reveal. After Kipchoge broke the two-hour barrier, the shoe debate exploded. For the previous two years, the debate surrounded only the Nike Vaporflies, which were of course the dominant standard for marathon racing around the world. But then, the Nike Alpha Fly took over. From the Wall Street Journal to the Business Insider, everyone was talking about this one shoe. Article after article continued to be released from countless publications, either defending the shoe or objecting with its design. The key questions at the heart of this discussion were, are these shoes cheating? Is this fair? Will these shoes be allowed in the Olympic Games? Compared to other shoes, the Alpha Fly used a brand new system that had never been used before. But people wanted answers to whether or not this one shoe would ultimately be allowed in official racing competition. Since Kipchoge's performance, the World Athletics Federation created a new ruling on shoe design. On January 31st, they provided new regulations saying that any shoe must contain no more than one rigid plate and it must have a sole with a maximum thickness of no more than 40 millimeters. Sadly, this meant that Kipchoge's Alpha Flies were now officially banned because of their three carbon fiber plates. However, on February 3rd, Nike unveiled a brand new line of shoes that all fall within the World Athletics regulations. And at the forefront of all of these new releases was the new Alpha Fly Next Percent, except this time, Nike made a few crucial changes. In response to the new regulations, Nike took out two carbon fiber plates and left in just one. Also, in contrast to what many people have speculated, these shoes do in fact fall within the new 40mm sole thickness rule, as this shoe measures at just 39.5. Also, shout out to my boy Jeffrey Camoro here, who is looking super fresh in these new kicks. All other design characteristics, including the AirPods, the cushioning, the foam design, and the breathable bottom, all fall within the World Athletics' new regulations. In addition to these new racing shoes, Nike also unveiled a new line of trainers, including the Tempo Next Percent and the Tempo Next Percent Fly Ease. For these shoes, instead of a carbon fiber plate, they'll use a new composite foam, which is softer for added comfort over higher mileage, but still serves to provide stability and transition through a runner's full stride. We've already seen Nike completely dominate the running market over the last few years with the Vaporfly. From local runners to international superstars, these shoes were everywhere. 
With their bright neon color and their unique design, it was nearly impossible to see a road race without seeing these shoes light up the pavement. Moving forward, it's very possible that this could once again happen, except this time, these new green and black shoes could be the centerpiece of marathons throughout the world. According to the Nike website, these shoes will be available to the public during the summer of 2020. However, there is one specific ruling by the World Athletics Federation that complicates this issue. According to the new guidelines, any shoe that is first introduced after April 30th of 2020 may not be used in competition unless and until it has been available for purchase by any athlete on the open retail market for at least four months prior to that competition. Any shoe that does not meet this requirement is deemed a prototype and may not be used in competition. In short, if these shoes are not available for purchase by April 30th, they will not be available for the Olympic Games. However, given that Nike has already showcased the actual product to the public, my guess is that these shoes will definitely be used for the Olympic Games this summer. Another complication with this April 30th deadline involves athletes who will not be wearing this new Nike product. Of course, there are hundreds of athletes who are sponsored by a company other than Nike, so it will be very interesting to see how other companies will develop their products over the next few months. At the moment, there is virtually no competition to compete with these new Nike shoes, and if other companies plan on developing a new shoe for the Olympics this year, it'll have to be available for purchase before April 30th. Clearly, Nike is in the driver's seat with these new regulations, and perhaps we'll see another shoe make its way to the market. However, the likelihood that Nike will once again be the dominant driver at the Summer Olympics this year is very high. These new Alpha Fly shoes are certainly compelling, but what about these new Tempo trainers? And what about these new awesome track spikes called the Viper Fly? What exactly makes these shoes so special? Ultimately, the goal of these trainers is to minimize injury with Nike React foam at the heel, while still providing athletes with the ability to train with a faster and more reliable training shoe. Again, these shoes have no carbon fiber plate, but they do carry a similar design and look as the new Alpha Fly. As for the new spikes, they are designed specifically for the 100 meters. Nike says that these new spikes are produced by a new process called custom fiber placement, which allows for varying flexibility within the plate and an unmistakable four-foot Nike Air Zoom unit. It follows deep study of the strategy and performance of the race and focuses attention on what athletes need most in the final 20 meters of the sprint. Just like the Alpha Fly, this design is focused on responsiveness and energy return, but instead of the double thick AirPod, this design uses a much thinner cushioning along with a slightly detached under area, which definitely does resemble that of an actual Viper. You really gotta give it to Nike on this one. They absolutely nailed the name of this shoe. Awesome names aside, the question is, will this shoe actually enhance a sprinter's needs in the 100 meter dash? And if so, what will the future of sprinting look like? Lastly, I wanted to touch on the new regulations regarding these new shoes. Ultimately, I think it's great that there is now a standard that can be applied to all running companies throughout the world. However, I do wish that other companies had more time to create a new shoe, as April 30th is quite close. In my personal opinion, I do believe these new regulations are fair, at least for now. There is certainly room for new innovation, and it will be very exciting to see new ideas surface over the coming years. It's also great that novelty and technological advancement is being rewarded here instead of punished. Running seldom entices such high levels of publicity, especially when compared to football or even baseball. And most of this new publicity is because of these shoes. So I must admit, I think it's great that there are such high levels of momentum and awareness for this tremendous endurance sport.
Now I want to pass this question off to you guys. What do you think of these new shoes, and what do you think of these new regulations? Thank you all very much for watching, and I'll see you all again very soon. Snap Capone. About to flame this job. I'm a 
citizen listeners and lurkers, Chloe here, and welcome back to my channel. And if you are new here, welcome. So today's video is all about masculine turnoffs, and more specifically, what turns high-value men completely off. And for those of you who don't know who and what a high-value man is, a high-value man is not only a man who is a provider and a protector and a breadwinner, but a high-value man is a man who values respect and women who respect the value of being ladylike. A high-value man is a man, ladies, who lives in his purpose and is a man who is committed to having a plan. Uh, high-value men are what I call grown men, and they don't play games when it comes to their integrity, their follow-through, and getting the job done. And if a woman desires to be a high pergamous woman, which is why you need to subscribe to this channel, and if a woman desires to have feminine success with masculine men, high-value men, and or men who are it is very important to be aware of the negatively charged and self-sabotaging mindsets and behaviors that compromise and stunt a woman's ability to get what she wants out of a man. Uh, ladies, high-value men are attracted to feminine women first and women who want to be feminine, not women who are trying to mimic and fake femininity by only looking the part. Uh, high-value men are not only attracted to women who look feminine, but they are also attracted to women who have a feminine aura and women who resonate feminine energy. So here are the 12 things that a woman should stop doing if she wants to begin to attract better quality and high-value men. Uh, number 12, women who dwell consistently in their masculine. Uh, High-value men are not attracted to masculine energy at all. High-value men slash provider men are attracted to the opposite of themselves, which means that they are attracted to ladylike feminine energy. And the more aligned a woman is with her femininity and her feminine aura, the better her chances are at attracting a masculine man. Uh, number 11, women with a nasty attitude. Uh, ladies, provider men are attracted to women who carry themselves with feminine energy, and a woman with a nasty attitude blocks her inner feminine divine. Because a woman with a nasty attitude and a nasty mindset is usually a woman who is sour, bitter, and jaded. And she is usually a woman who has built a home, furniture and all, in misery and unhappiness. And when a woman is miserable, a high-value man uh, won't see her as loving or nurturing or ladylike. Uh, high-value men and provider men are not attracted to women who have punishing mindsets and stank attitudes and women who have a nasty disposition. Uh, number 10, women who have completely dropped the ball and let themselves go. I mentioned this before on my channel and I'll say it again. These are the women who have completely given up on their looks. These are the women who carry themselves around very sloppy and unkempt and these are also the women who are committed to being plain James. Uh, ladies, high value men are attracted to women uh, who invest in their appearance and they are attracted to women who want to look good. 
Uh, number nine, women who nag and complain and women who are combative and argumentative. Uh, ladies, high-value men are men who want and need a peace of mind. Uh, when a woman is nagging and complaining, she is disrupting a man's peace and men need peace to function and thrive as providers and protectors. Uh, ladies, a man cannot build and a man cannot thrive when his life is filled with uh, negativity, dysfunction, drama, and chaos. Uh, number eight, women who are thirsty and desperate. Ladies, high-value men are not attracted to women who do not see themselves as the prize. Uh, women who aren't confident and women who are clingy are a huge turn-off because being a clingy and obsessive woman causes a man to lose interest fast. And a loss of interest means a loss of respect. And when a man loses respect, the loss of his love and his admiration is sure to follow. Uh, number seven, women who talk about marriage and babies on the first date. Ladies, high-value men do not like to feel pressured by desperate women. High-value men like to be charmed by feminine women. And high-value men, more importantly, love to be seduced by women, which is why you need to read The Art of Seduction by Robert E. Green to understand the nuts and bolts of how to be specific in seducing men. Or you can join my finishing school, The New Feminine, to get your feminine etiquette and your how to finesse a man's skill set all the way up. Uh, so ladies, stop talking about babies and baby names and discussing wedding plans for the future with men you barely know. Uh, number six, women who are insecure, jealous, backbiting, petty, controlling and territorial but uh, ladies high value men are not attracted to women who are controlling or backleading which are both masculine energies ladies only weak men like to be controlled and even weak men get tired of being uh, emasculated and manipulated by puppet strings at first glance, you may feel powerful uh, controlling a weak man, but eventually as a woman, you will burn your candle at both ends of the stick, trying to be manly for yourself and another man. Uh, number five, women who aren't good listeners. Ladies, high value men are attracted to women who know how to hear and listen. Uh, women and people in general who talk on and on and on about themselves are complete turnoffs. So ladies, learn how to listen when engaging with men. Uh, number four, women who compare and contrast old boyfriends and exes. Ladies, high value men are not in the business of fixing the hurt and the damage that your ex caused. Uh, high value men are not an emotional dumping ground and they are not in the business of wanting to be your rebound. Uh, number three, and this is a huge one, uh, being too eager and too available. Uh, this is a common mistake that many women make. Uh, they meet a guy, there's chemistry, and then bam, you know, women are clinging, hovering, hoovering, and smothering. Ladies, men do not like to be smothered, and high-value men are not attracted to women who are clingy and desperate aggressors. Uh, high-value men are actually 
attracted to women who know how to enjoy their own company and they are attracted to women who know how to make themselves less available but when a woman knows how and when to disappear it inspires the chase in men and as the saying goes absence makes the heart grow fonder uh, number two women uh, who overvalue feminist dogma uh, women who call themselves feminist uh, first and women who have constant grudges and gripes with men and women who clearly hate men and women who blame men for all of society's ills and women who hate patriarchy and women who see men as useless and worthless are huge turnoffs for men in general but uh, women who think in these extreme uh, negative extremes about men are huge turnoffs especially for masculine men who are providers and number one women who are filled with the spirit of confusion. Uh, ladies, no one likes to be confused, and this includes high-value men. High-value men do not like to be lumped in with low-value men and dusties. And confused women are women who lack so much respect for men as a group that they lump all men in together. And confused women are women who don't understand men on any level and confused women don't understand the value of having a man in their life at all uh, these are the women whose experiences with men have been so horrific that they have written men off for good and at the same time they harbor uh, very intense feelings of envy and jealousy towards women who have found hypergamy and happiness with men uh, these are the women who secretly still want men yeah, still desire to be with men while still having an unfortunate a deep hatred and contempt for men uh, that they can't let go of so that's all I have to say on this for now uh, high value men are attracted to feminine women uh, with feminine energy and high value men are attracted to women who love being women so now it's your turn to add your thoughts below have you ever turned a man off with masculine vibes uh, which masculine traits in this video are you most guilty of talk about your experiences in the comments below and stay tuned for more videos to come and i will catch up with you guys in the next one so today's video will be a very nuanced and long overdue conversation about interracial dating and marriage, particularly when it comes to black women. And when I say black women, I say that with the complete respect and full understanding that black women are not a monolith and that no two black women think alike and that no two black women were raised the same and that no two black women had the same childhood and that no two black women have the same mindset. So when it comes to interracial dating, let's start with the basics and the easy part. Uh, interracial dating in a nutshell is dating and for many young people under the age of 30 but especially under the age of 25 interracial dating is no longer the historically intense triggering taboo experience that it once was for older generations so with that being said the generic concept of dating is pretty simple but dating is all about getting to know someone on an intimate and personal level and making the decision on whether or not that person is a good fit for your lifestyle, your desires, your values, and your future. Dating is the process by which we decide 
if a relationship can either be long-term or is a good fit for marriage. So let me begin by putting on record that I am all for black women dating and expanding their options to find the best relationship possible for themselves. And as a black woman, I could never be against that. Finding someone that you can trust and that you can grow and expand with and possibly create a family with has become exceptionally challenging, especially with the viciousness of social media. So I will never be against any black woman who chooses to date or marry or who finds love and romance with any race of man who sweeps her off of her feet. Now, in my own family, I have firsthand experience with interracial dating and marriage. My niece and nephew are biracial. Their mother is black. And I have a very large family full of black women. And the dating and marriage tales and experiences in my family are endless. And there are many black women in my family who are with different races and different nationalities of men, some black and some white. And the experiences with all of the black women in my family vary. And within my family, each black woman's interracial experience is not cut, copy, or paste. Interracial relationships, like all relationships, are nuanced. And more importantly, the interracial relationships in my family are not one size fits all. So interracial dating in and of itself can be very uncomplicated, but it also can be very nuanced. Now, please keep in mind that interracial dating is also about dating all kinds of cultures and nationalities, not just black and white, which for obvious reasons are the most historically charged and are the most historically triggering. But ladies, and I have to say this, and it will ruffle some feathers to hear, but I am not an advocate of any person, black man or black woman or white woman or white man, who weaponizes interracial dating to prove a butthurt or petty point, which is a pretty common phenomenon on YouTube and social media. Uh, ladies, interracial dating is not about getting back at black men who obviously date and marry at higher rates when it comes to interracial dating and marriage. But we open up our dating options to other races of men to give ourselves the best chance at having what we truly want and desire out of life, which is to be loved and to be cherished and to be provided for and financial security and stability and having a family and having someone to care and having someone to hopefully grow old with. And I have to say this, and again, this may ruffle some feathers, but I can always tell when a black person doesn't have much dating experience with interracial dating because many black people who are inexperienced with interracial dating will try to oversell this idea that otherness is an automatic come up or that white women are fundamentally better than black women, which is asinine, or that white men come with a cape and a rescue horse. And some black women, but not all, will try to oversell this idea that all white men are financially loaded or that all white men are unproblematic compared to black men or that white men and other races of men are better at being fathers or that white men and other races of men aren't women beaters or that white men and other races of men don't make white women and or other races of women of baby mamas or that white men and other races of men aren't uh, mentally unwell 
or that white men are automatic providers. And that simply isn't the truth because there are a lot of black women who email me about their white dusties. But ladies, a person of an outside race and or culture does not indicate an absence of dysfunction. But ladies with white men and other races of men, when it comes to interracial dating and marriage, there is still a vetting process that will involve and require having standards. And in my hypergamous mind, which is why you need to subscribe to this channel, my inclination is to focus on providing, but regardless of race and or nationality, will he spend on you and will he invest in you? respect him? Does he admire him? Does he cherish you? Will he be a good father to your child and or potential children? And when it comes to interracial dating and marriage ladies, will he choose you over his family? Will he accept you? Uh, will his family accept you? Or will they do everything in their power to make sure that your marriage implodes from the inside out? Uh, will you have territorial clashes with the women in his family? which is way more common than you think. Can your respective cultures mesh? And I have consulted with many black women who date and marry all shades of men. And when the dust settles and the smoke clears, men are men and vetting a man will always be pulled down to his character, his drive, his ambition, and it is super important to always qualify a man protector and provider mindset over everything else. Now, people date and marry interracially for all kinds of reasons, motives, and motivations. Sometimes it's great chemistry. Sometimes it's actually true love. Sometimes it's the tax bracket that you're in. But the choice to date interracially can also be motivated by self-hatred and self-loathing or social climbing and having a very low opinion about your own culture. Or it can be about wanting to have mixed children, which both black men and black women do. Or it can be about the brainwashed fantasy thinking of putting other races of men and or women on a pedestal because of good old-fashioned ignorance. And both black men and black women are guilty of putting other races of people on a pedestal without them ever having to earn it. And when people weaponize their interracial relationships, I think that it makes that person super corny. And I think that the people who are inclined to speak in this manner are usually the most insecure people in the world. And I need to say this, but both black men and black women can get caught up in this insidious idea that people who aren't black are the measuring stick for everything, and they aren't. But since the focus of this channel is feminine education and my finishing school, The New Feminine, is about hypergamy, a classy etiquette, and successful dating, uh, ladies and lurkers who are ear hustling, please date and marry the best life partner that you can find for the job. And the best life partner will always be a man who professes, who provides, and who protects you regardless of color. So that's all I have to say on this for now. Interracial dating is both nuanced and very simple at the same time. Date who you want to date ladies who are listening and date who you want to date black women. Uh, as black women, we are now at a point where we are in the full understanding that 
when it comes to black men, especially extremely successful black men who are visible, but that black men do not belong to us. And that is not to say that successful black men aren't with black women, but that is not a narrative that you will see pushed in the mainstream media. But it is the year 2020. It is a free country. And in this country, life is about the pursuit of happiness, and time waits for absolutely no one. And after the age of 35, time moves even swifter. So black women, commit to investing in your femininity and explore your options because they are there for the taking. So tell me what you think down below. Should interracial dating still be a big deal? Do black people use their interracial relationships to bash their own kind? Are black women unfairly shamed for still wanting to be with a black man? I'm sure that you guys have a lot to say, so talk about it below. And stay tuned for more videos to come. And I will catch up with you guys in the next one. This week's video is going to be all about the health benefits of green tea. I've seen some overblown claims, so we're going to parse through and figure out what's what. Also, stay tuned till the end of the video to get tips on how to make the healthiest cup of tea possible. Tea is one of those rare beverages that's pretty much universally accepted by science as a healthy one. But just remember, as with everything in life, you can have too much of a good thing. So don't overdo it with the green tea. The number one thing that makes green tea so good for you is that it's loaded with healthy nutrients. All of these bioactive polyphenols are awesome for your health. You may have heard of some of them known as flavonoids or catechins. And what those are are just antioxidants. What antioxidants do is prevent free radical damage to your body. And free radical damage to your body over time causes cancer. But let me break that down a bit. I know all of you have faucets at home, whether it's in your bathroom or in your kitchen. Some of those faucets have rust on them. The rust is a direct result of that free radical damage we always talk about. Now, antioxidants prevent that rust from forming. So think of antioxidants as the rust prevention within our own bodies. Yes! That's awesome! Within media, it's been mentioned before that those who drink green tea have lower rates of cancer. And it's been theorized that it has something to do with the huge amount of antioxidants found within green tea. We have to not get too excited by this fact because this is only a correlation and not a causation. Yes, it's good to drink green tea, but no, it's not going to cure and prevent all types of cancer. Second great point about green tea. If you got stinky breath, maybe you should try some green tea. That's none of my business. The nutrients within green tea that we just mentioned on this last point, known as catechins, do a great job of inhibiting and killing certain types of bacteria. In fact, studies were done and proved that bacteria known to cause bad breath within your mouth was killed by drinking green tea. Also, when you have less of that specific bacteria, you have less plaque. So green tea also decreases the risk of developing a cavity. Point tray about green tea. It does a great job of giving you stable energy without all the jitters. It has about 30 to 50 milligrams of caffeine, which is roughly half a cup of coffee. You're still focused, you're still stimulated, but you don't have that jittery feeling that you get with a big cup of coffee. Another nutrient within green tea that works together with caffeine to boost your brain function is called L-theanine. 
its benefit is that it gives your brain relaxation without the added sedation or drowsiness that come along with other relaxing agents. While we've seen in animal and lab models that it increases your good cholesterol and lowers your bad cholesterol, what we found in animal, lab, and human trials is that green tea lowers your blood pressure. And if you watch my hypertension video, you know how important it is to keep your blood pressure under control. Point number five, green tea can help you burn fat. Well, maybe. This is more of an individual case-by-case -case basis thing, because not all studies agree on this. But there is a promise of increased metabolism and fat oxidation, essentially fat burning. Some of the lab models have shown a decrease in new blood vessel formation within your fat stores, meaning that it literally takes away the vital nutrition for your fat and makes it die. Kicking that fat's butt. Point number six. Animal and lab models both show that catechins, the nutrient we keep mentioning over and over again, decrease the risk of you developing Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. Science isn't clear on why this occurs, but it's theorized that it has something to do with the decrease in the development of plaque within the brain. If that doesn't encourage you to take a sip, I don't know what will. Point seven. Now this is the game changer. This is the one that everyone gets excited about. Green tea may increase your lifespan. There's been a ton of research done on this. Some studies even have 40,000 participants that show those who drink three to five cups of tea a day have an increased lifespan, have a decreased all-cause mortality, that means dying from anything, have decreases in heart disease, decreases in strokes. But before we get too excited, we need to remember correlation versus causation. Just because those who drink green tea live longer, it doesn't mean green tea is the sole thing that's responsible for that effect. So yes, enjoy your green tea, but don't think you're going to live forever. Here's how you create the healthiest cup of tea possible. Don't add green tea directly to boiling water as it destroys those healthy catechins we've been talking about. Don't go decaf, because the decaffeination process hurts more of the nutrients found within green tea. Add lemon into your tea as it aids in the absorption of some of these nutrients. Finally, don't cheap out. Go for the good premium stuff, as it contains more of the healthy nutrients we've been talking about all along. I need you to know this. Don't buy into the BS supplements that take green tea extract and claim that it has miracle health benefits. They do not. The real thing is always healthier than the supplement. As always, thanks for watching. Audio check one, two on the MC mic with the emerald green scrubs, mannequins, and what basically which is just an EKG, but for the brain. Do people know what an EKG is? Catechins, that new twin we've mentioned many times. Animal models and lab model. Even tea, bro. Can I interest you in a cup of tea from a squirrel cup? What each and every one of the politicians needs is a nice cup of honest tea. <laughs> Alright, I got I got a better one. What do you call a dentist who doesn't like tea? Dennis? Was that good? Kids, don't try this at home. <laughs> do you get it? Two free pose.
for a fighter to, to be able to move. I think we are ready to give the people... Shoe. It 
does the job of providing a plush, bouncy ride, and a nice fitting, stable package. It feels great for modest and slower paced runs. It may be a bit too much shoe for speed, but comfortable as a daily trainer. All they need to do is fix the heel slipping and chill out on the arch, and maybe lower the price a little bit. Now, will this shoe prevent or reduce injuries? Who knows? I'm not going to say it does, because I can't afford that kind of lawsuit. If any of you happen to roll an ankle and say Jamie says it's going to prevent injuries, nope, I did not say that. But other than that, it's a good shoe. A bit pricey, but it is Nike. So really, what did you expect? Well done. courage, strength, and wisdom to help people look ahead. The courage to have open, honest conversations. The strength to offer guidance in any circumstance. And the wisdom to... What's going on, guys? This is the post-review. Review. Today we got Lindsay Q back at it again, back to back. This is like... <laughs> A celebration because we like once a year maybe once every like twice a year but back to back in the same week feel pretty special <laughs> thank the nike gods uh so the people we wanted to know about this new nike infinity react all the hype all the marketing have you seen the whole marketing behind the whole prevents injuries all that good stuff so that's all good and dandy but we want to know what you think about the shoe how to fit, how it feels, how it looks, everything about the shoe. You've had it for a week or so? About, probably almost two weeks now. All right, so you had about two weeks. So you're an expert on the shoe. All right, so what do you think of it? Just first initial reaction to it and overall thoughts on it. First initial reaction, whenever I pulled it out, um, really like the way that it looks, especially the purple one. Um, I have never run in Nikes before, as I mentioned last week, and I was actually very, very impressed. Um, I've run like two or three runs in them, and they've all felt really good. Well, I've seen your times. <laughs> they seem to be working. Yes. Are you injured? No. So it works. Exactly. These prevent injuries. Right. Guaranteed. <laughs> Don't sue us if you get hurt. <laughs> the whole fly knit. Some shoes have like traditional uppers where it's just your regular mesh. How do you feel about the fly knit? Some say it's too thin, too flimsy. Some says it feels great and it's light. What do you, what do you feel on that? I think it feels really good. I like how light it is. It's almost like a sock. <laughs> I had one issue. The heel cup, I had a little bit of slipping in there. I guess because it wasn't as like sturdy and um, what I'm used to in some shoes. It's so thin. But some people don't have any issues with it. Where, where are you at on that? I didn't have any issues. No issues? Nope. See, it's just me. I got issues. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's just me sometimes. And I had the um, I had the Nike Epic React, which is like the precursor to the, what this shoe is. I liked the shoe a lot, but this one fits a lot better to me. Uh, the wider forefoot, the snug midfoot. How do you feel about the fit? I really like the little bit of a wider forefront. Um, I have a narrow foot, but. I feel like lately I've liked having more room to move my feet yeah. around. <laughs> I feel like it's still snug in the middle part, yeah. so as long as your foot's mm -hmm. locked in there. So another thing people are talking about is the arch, the arch of the shoe. You feel it? You not feel it? Does it bother you? Does it break in? I feel like whenever I first put it on, maybe I noticed it because I went right from another shoe to this one, and so I was like, oh, it feels different, but once I started running in it, it just felt normal. I feel the same way. 
I'm gonna lie, when I first got the shoe, I was like, oh no, oh no, I can't do this. This is like a big bump in my arch. And I was like, nope. And people were like, no, break it in. I was like, all right, I don't know. So I went like a day, two. It feels how it should feel. Yep. So initially, it's not gonna feel great. So we gotta give it a chance. That's if you wanna give Nike a chance. There's a lot of shoes out there. Uh, this is solid. I, I don't think it's gonna prevent injuries. I think, you know, biomechanics and, you know, foot strike and strengthening your imbalances and all that, that's what you really need to do to prevent injuries. But for the sake of marketing, doesn't it? Uh, but Nike, Nike's doing his thing. They're doing cool things with their shoes. How do you feel about the whole Vaporfly, Alpha Fly shoe being banned? Any thoughts on that? Is it cheating? I don't think it's cheating because ultimately, kind of what you said with the preventing injuries, you still have to put the work in. <laughs> That's true. So, I don't think a shoe is like magically gonna, you know, make but you win the Olympics. Magic shoes. <laughs> Helpful maybe, but. What do you wear? What a, for races? <laughs> for your, you know, your mile and five k. I'm looking for some racing shoes for my mile and my five k. I wore some Brooks Hyper. How do you say it? Oh, Hyperion. Yeah. Yeah, um, I wore those into the ground, and I'm thinking of getting another pair of those. Oh, they're coming out with a new Hyperion line. One with the carbon plate, you know, since you know, magic shoes were cool. <laughs> and one without, it's called the Tempo. So it's like a more traditional flat. So you might like that. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll call up Brooks and we can get a size seven and a half cent yes. to Lindsay Q. <laughs> uh, with that said, where can they follow you on the social medias? <laughs> on their own fit. Lindsay Q. No, I told you, you can't do this way. You gotta follow your girl, Lizzie Q, on the IG, on the run fit. Follow her right now. Links down below. Stop playing around. Watch the video first and let it finish. Now, I need my 10 minutes for my ad revenue. But after that, go to the IG and follow her. Stop playing games. See, I get hyped up. Then you follow me, too. I'm gonna put my, my thing right here. But if you haven't already, you're probably not going to. But, you know, you can follow her. She's a little more uh, Instagrammable. Is that the word? Instagrammable. <laughs> It's more insta insta fun to follow. Uh, links down below if you're interested in the Infinity React. Um, they're 160, a little pricey, but you know how Nike does. The second a new colorway comes out, price goes down. I like your colorway a little bit better. I like the color a lot. Like the white's cool, but the second I get it dirty, it's done. So with that said, be sure to stay in school. Don't do drugs, and if you can, please, all of you, keep it tight real tight all right anthony how, how was that that's good all right you're more than your successes you're more than your failures you're the work you want that smoke getting that vibe Scan the barcode, buy with one click, and you'll get regular delivery updates. The Amazon app. What are you looking for?
Today we're going to talk about Nike Running 2019. Flight 3 and the Vaporfly Next% Percent have been released in the United States as of July 11th. The entire Nike running line has now hit the market, and so I felt like it would be a good time to go over kind of what each of these shoes does and what they're good for. Now, there's a lot of shoes to cover. I'm mainly going to limit it to kind of the four that I would consider kind of the pillars of Nike running, but I will mention kind of the rest of the shoes that... Uh, I'm done taking the fight to... So I feel like... Nice. There are not crazy, I know I. Okay, there's also Devin Haney, uh, the OP I know why Javante and Tim bottom. He had a good record, but I, I looked into it. I researched it. <laughs> oh my. Okay, you just mentioned those names. Uh, you, you mentioned Javante. Okay, what did you think of his last fight? Uh, what did you think of it? I'm asking you because you're the one that wants to go into the ring. You're, you're the reason why. Okay, there's also Devin Haney, uh, Theofimo Lopez, and maybe Loma. I know that's maybe a little bit uh, down the line, but out of all those, who do you want next? I definitely want Javante Davis for this year. Uh, I've been pushing for that fight to get it done in December. That's all I want. You know, I want to shock the world. Uh, I'm done taking the fights that, you know, I feel like... Not, they're not easy fights. Dudo's not an easy fight. None of these guys are easy fights. If anybody... You can make a strong argument. Dudo was a harder opponent now than Gabo is now. You know what I mean? So, uh, I'm looking for a tough fight. So, I, I, and I want to shock the world. The only way to do it is... To not do something easy, but to do something that is hard. So to be Javante, that would be good. I've heard that um, people kept saying, "Duno has to be your step up fight," and now you proved to the world that you that you belong here. Uh, there, you in Canelo. You've been training with Canelo. What's something that you've been learning with him? Uh, I've been learning a lot. Of, sorry, my beautiful lady right there. Oh. Out there, distracting me real quick. Oh. But uh, anyway. <laughs> I know that over there, but nah, uh, I forgot my train of thought. <laughs> what have you learned from Canelo when you oh. trained? <laughs> <laughs> what have I learned from Canelo? Uh, I learned basically experience. Yeah, I don't remember that. Nah, I really, you learned a lot. Like, it's a champion. Like, he's the person that, like, he's the best in the world right now. He's a crowned champion. So, like, I just watch. I don't, don't really talk to you that much. He shows me. You know, because I don't speak Spanish. But he shows me. You still haven't learned? Nah, I don't. I'm gonna have to learn Spanish. Let's learn, let's learn together. Yeah. I just know orale. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Okay. Uh, I know that. Tiempo, cabrón. Put your hand up, cabrón. Now, can I listen? Yeah, they all know that. Okay. Um, in an interview, I read your GQ interview. You said that, um, and Oscar kind of laughed at it. You, congratulations. That was that's pretty fly. Look at how. You said you wanted to retire at 26 years old. Oscar coughed and laughed, and a lot of us, you're, you're very, you just turned 21. Why 26? Well, you're gonna see, like, I'm gonna fight all the tough guys in the end, and did. Oh, what's bigger than boxing? You said something. Sky's the limit. You'll see. You'll be a I mean, you're already a model. You're an actor. <laughs> what else? Well, I'm gonna win the best fights, win them, and they did, but never talk to nobody. Never go into MMA, like, everyone, it's like the new thing. You never know. Never, I might kick uh, Conor McGregor in the face. Oh. Never know. Are you calling him out? Or are you going to... 
Don't call out. Just say it. it could happen. And last, you are fighting. Um, you know, you got the fans, you got the boys, you got the girls, you got them all. You're gonna have the parents bring all their kids on Valentine's Day. <laughs> 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 you know, got a lot of people coming out too. Uh, I have my list coming out. I got Shaquan Barkley coming out. Giants. I got uh, Juju Smith. Uh, I got Wiz Khalifa, YG coming out. Everybody's coming out for this fight. Kevin Hart might be coming. Everybody. Okay. Okay, you already got that black book of superstars. Look at you moving up in the world. Don't forget about us, about us little people. <laughs> From the beginning to the end. Don't ever forget who calls you out about your little manhood. Back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day. You're gonna be just too cool. Okay, Ryan, and lastly, uh, give me a prediction, Wilder and Fury. Oh, man. I don't know. That one's so hard for me to pick. I, I, I love both of them. I love both of their personalities, their skills. So, man, I just want it as good as the first one. I'll say that. And then, uh, you're in the gym with Canelo. What do you think? Who do you think he's gonna fight in what weight class? Uh, don't look for your people to see what you can see. Uh, uh, now, uh, I don't know who he's gonna fight, but I definitely want him to fight Charlie. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he practices a lot. He's strong as hell, no matter what. Yeah, he's good, no matter what. He do it all. Okay, uh, message to your fans why they should tune into the zone February 14th and go buy your tickets to see this stud. Yes, tune in just because of the fact that, you know, Javante's off the fucking pony. Kevin Farmer's off the fucking pony. Now you're going to see where I rank up with this pony. And then hopefully you get that fight down later on with Javante. So don't miss it. It's part of my legacy. You miss it. You miss a part of my journey. Do you want to see Connor versus Manny? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. I would watch it no matter what. <laughs> okay. Okay, Ryan Garcia. Um, tune in. I'm Cynthia Conte for Ring TV. See you guys on the bike. Bye, guys. here and we have had so much fun the last few weeks with the Nike Zoom X Vaporfly Next Percent. That's hard to say. Nike Zoom Vaporfly 4%. Next next percent. What I say? 4%. Oh. The Nike Vaporfly <clears throat> The Nike Zoom Vaporfly Next Percent. So today we're back here at Oakway Shopping Center in Eugene, Oregon, and I'm going to ask people if they can name the model of this shoe. Nike Vaporfly Next Percent. I will buy them a pair. That's a two hundred and fifty dollars shoe. All they have to do is say Nike Zoom Next Percent. Let's see if anyone can do it. Excuse me. Do you know the name of this shoe? Uh, it's a Nike. It's, it is a Nike. Do you know the name of the model? No. No. It's very famous. Starts with a V. I don't know. Okay. I don't know why. <laughs> just curious. Just curious. <laughs> see ya. It's Vaporfly Next Percent. Don't tell anyone. Excuse me. You look like you work out a lot. In Nikes, no less. Do you know the name of this shoe? You don't know, you don't know this one? It's pretty famous. Do you watch the marathon at all? No. Do you ever run one? No. You might want this shoe if you're on the marathon. Oh, okay. Google it. See ya.
Excuse me, ladies, can I ask you a question? Yes. Have you ever seen a shoe like this before? Yes. Do you know the name of it? It is a Nike. It is a Nike, but do you know the name of the model? Yes. Yes. That's that's part of it, but it has a very specific name. It's very famous and very controversial shoe. You can look at it if you want. Feel how light it is. Yeah, you saw it on the news. It almost got banned in competition. It's that good of a shoe. The world record was set in something just like that. The marathon. Yeah. It's a marathon shoe. It's a marathoning shoe, yeah. Oh, I like this. Isn't that great? The rocker? There's a carbon fiber plate inside that launches you forward. It looks like my side. You, if you, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, if you can tell me the name of this shoe, I'll buy you a pair. It's a $250 shoe. Oh, yeah. oh the name, can I Google it? <laughs> <laughs> There's no lifeline. No lifeline. It's the Nike Zoom X Vaporfly Next Percent. All right. Next time. Next time. <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> I'll call Nike and tell them. <laughs> uh, hi, Nike. We're having trouble with this one. Hi, you work out a lot. Uh, in Nikes, no less. Yeah, do you recognize this shoe? No, I do not. Okay. Do, should I? Yeah, it's I a very, it's a very famous shoe. Do you want to touch it? Uh -huh. yeah. Super lightweight. Oh. You could run like a sub two hour marathon in that. I <laughs> it's the. I uh, do you want to take a, do you want to take a stab at the name? If you do, I'll buy you a pair. It's a two hundred fifty dollars shoe. Oh gosh, I have no idea. I'll even show you what's on the tongue. Okay. See that? Vapor, okay, it's a vapor, vaporfly shoe. Yeah, and what's the last part of it? Nike Vaporfly. So close, two hundred fifty dollars shoe. Nike Vaporfly next percent. Good try though. Yeah. Have a good workout. You're a Brooks guy. Not the Nike. Do you know the name of the shoe? Okay. How about you? You wear Nikes. Yeah. Do you know the name of the shoe? Is it a fly something? Sort of a fly something. Close. Not quite. Any other any other stabs at it? It should be the Nick Simmons shoe. That's what I'm talking about. Bring it in. Bring it in. You follow me on the social? I do. I appreciate that. Yeah, but is that Rainy? What's your name? Rainy. Rainy. Be like Rainy. Follow me on social. Cool. It's a Nike Vaporfly Next Percent. It's a very controversial shoe. Why is it controversial? There's a carbon fiber plate in here, and they say that it provides a mechanical advantage for runners, and they can run faster because of it. I don't know if I believe it. Yeah, right? $250 shoes. See ya. Do you guys run at all? Dabble? Have you ever seen this shoe before? It's, very, it's a very famous shoe. Oh, have a good day. No, no worries. I think we should go outside Lululemon. It's a very young crowd, a very fit crowd. Let's go see. Yeah, I am. Hi. I'm Hannah. I've been emailing back and forth with, um, with Lex? Oh, Jenna. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, come take a look at this. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but we have, because you guys are just fun. Oh my gosh, look at this. You guys are I didn't Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. I did not even know that this was going to be here. Nice to officially meet. Nice to officially meet you. Do you run at all? Yeah. Yeah. I may run the half marathon. I'm not like What are you going to wear on your feet when you're on the half marathon? Would you like to win a two hundred and fifty dollar pair of shoes? Of course. Do you know the name? Uh, it looks like a Zoom right there. Yeah, Zoom X is part of it. It's a Nike Zoom X blank blank. And if you can name it, I will give. I'll buy you a pair in your size for the half marathon. Can I find a friend? <laughs> no, no lifelines. How about you? No. It's a very controversial. It almost got banned in competition. Oh wait, that one guy ran it and put it. Oh, exactly. Oh, he ran it. And what was the name of the shoe he wore? 
Oh, guys. Darn it. Slipping right through your fingers. I just see the headline. Yeah. It's the Nike ZoomX Vaporfly Next Percent. Yeah, Vaporflies. So there's a carbon fiber plate that runs right through here. And the sandwich of foam and carbon fiber, they say, like, gives you an unfair advantage if it springs you forward. But uh, World Athletics did rule at their league work competition. So. Well, everyone just wear Yeah. That's what they're going to do. I mean, that's the, that's the whole thing is you can't even buy these right now. Or at least you can't buy them here. They're sold out everywhere because everyone's like, do they actually make you that much faster? Oh, my yeah. sister was talking about that. She was like, I'm such a bad runner, I need them. <laughs> That's what everybody said. Even the, even the pros are like, uh, I need those. So, all right, so clearly people have heard of the shoe. They know about Elliot's incredible performance. They know that there's controversy behind it, but they can't quite name the model. I'm telling you what, I will stay here as long as it takes to find one lucky person who can tell me the name of the shoe, and then I'll buy them a pair in their size. Let's go find that person. Dude, Ryan, if we go outside the Nike store, someone coming in and out of a Nike must know the name of the shoe. Am I right? Excuse me. Do you run it all? I do. Do you know the name of the shoe? Zoomax. Close. As part of it, Zoomax blank blank. Zoomax. Very controversial shoe. Starts with a B. Uh, Zoomax. I like it. I like it. I'll call Nike. We'll rename it. Have a good lunch. Kid wearing Nike, this could be it. Excuse me, can I ask you a question? You're shopping at Nike today? We are. Do you know the name of this shoe? Is that the <sighs> new one? Yeah. It's called very controversial. Yes, exactly. It's a very controversial shoe. That has like the metal piece in it? It's got a carbon fiber plate right in here, yeah. Do you know the name of it? No. Zoomax. Close. So Nike Zoomax something fly. It's on the tongue. Vapor fly. Yes, and there's one more part. If you can nail the last part, I'll buy you a pair of these $250 shoes. Absolutely free. Nike ZoomX Vapor Fly. <laughs> Runner. Close. It's the 4%. Yeah, very controversial shoe. It's supposed to make you 4% faster. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I messed it up. All right. It's the Nike ZoomX Vaporfly Next Percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Even I messed it up. <laughs> All right, I'll see you guys. Have a good day. It's so hard. It's so hard. It's a good thing they make you run so fast because the name's horrible. <laughs> Let's just go get some Alpha Flies coming soon to a YouTube channel near you. Excuse me, do you know the name of this shoe? No. The model? No, I don't either. I just really like running them. I want to buy a pair. Excuse me, sir. Do you know the name of this shoe? Nike Zoom X Vapor Fly Next Percent. Well, hey, while we're waiting for somebody, did you guys know that I'm giving a pair of these away in your size, in whatever color you want? To enter for a chance to win these, all you got to do is click the link in the description below. Excuse me, can I ask you a question? Do you know the name of this shoe? No. No? Do you? No? You got, you got the Nikes on. But not this particular model? No, I don't. Okay. All right, thanks. You two look fit. Do you know the name of this shoe? That's the Nike Vaporfly. Yeah. yeah. That's good. That's good. Do you know the last part of that? Nike ZoomX Vaporfly blank. Okay, here. I'm, I'm going to help you a ton. It's Nike Vaporfly. Yeah. Blank percent. 100%. I like that. I like that. The Nike Vaporfly Next Percent. Yeah. Yeah. And you're Nick Simmons. I am, yeah. What's your name? I'm David. I'm Nick. Very I nice to meet you. I got a picture of you when I was probably like 12 years old. <laughs> now you make me feel old. <laughs> Which trials? Must have been 8 or 12? It was 2008. Yeah. Cool. That was a good day for me. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for cheering for us. Do you live here now? Yeah. Yeah.
Cool. What's your name? I'm Christian. Nice to meet you. I'm Nick. Nice Where are you guys off to? Yummy. Oh, good. Yeah. All right. Load up. Yeah. All right. See you guys. Hello. What's up? I said you already got me. I got you. I know. How about you? No tipping her off. Do you know the name of this shoe? subscriber who's been watching the videos he had signed up to enter the sweepstakes but he knew the name of the shoes so and he's a ten and a half come on yeah they got your shoes oh and we were waiting we probably talked to 50 people and you're the only one that knew the name yeah yeah pays to be a subscriber smash that subscribe button oh yeah i got some run gum for you as well good for studying your head run gum Kind of like an energy drink, but in gum form. Aren't they crazy? Does it feel like a little trampoline on your foot? It does, actually. Cool, huh? Let's ring them up. Right. Good meeting you. Yeah, good, meeting. good meeting you as well. Good meeting you. Thanks for watching my videos. Thank you. Thank you, Eugene Running Company. All right, see you guys. Have a good day. How great was that? I absolutely love taking care of my subscribers. All right, now we've had a ton of fun with these shoes. That's four or five videos with the Vaporflies. I think it's time to put a bow on that series, but I've got one more video with these shoes, and it's going to be crazy. See you next week. Oh, man. I didn't see these, yo.
Excellent. Look at the two strings at.
dark and First the knock on.
Check it out, y'all. This big L Coleon representing DITC Flamboyant Records. And when I'm in Croatia, I'm checking out Top DJ Mag. You know what I mean? For all the people out here, fans in Croatia, because you know you got fans out here as well. Yeah, no doubt. You know what I'm saying good looking out to all the fans out here in Croatia, you know, that supported me and supported my clique. You know what I'm saying? DITC forever. And I'd like to say thanks, you know, for all the support y'all showed the crew and everything. Alright, so uh, like a couple years ago, you uh, released your first joint, Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous, on Columbia. It was it was one of the tightest underground albums. You even got like four ratings in the swords and everything. Yeah, it was real tight, you know what I'm saying? I felt like the album was kind of before its time, you know? It was real tight, though, you know? Got a lot of sales, four mics from the source, you know? Put two videos out, you know? We released a couple of, you know, white labels and everything. And it was it was real successful. It was a success and everything, you know? It gave me a chance to, you know, go around the world and meet a lot of different people, you know, see a lot of different markets and everything, perform, and I'm just, I'm just loving it. Yeah. You as well, like the youngest member of the Digging in the Crates posse, so, um, and as well, like on like six, seven tracks in the new album. And the last shit that we heard was that enemy with Fat Joe. It was kind of hot. Yeah, good looking out, yeah. We just in the studio one day, you know, recording an album in our premiere, you know what I'm saying? Just walked in and had a track. You know, it was coincidental, you know, and he played it, and we just laid it down right there, you know? We just laid it down. You know, I had a round, Joe had a round, we thought of the chorus, Premier had the beat, right on time, you know, so it was right on time.
time that you were uh, trying to establish your own underground label, plus the clothing company. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, in 98, you know what I'm saying, look forward to seeing flamboyant records, flamboyant entertainment, flamboyant wear. It's, 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 it's going to be on, you know. Right now, I'm just getting everything done, getting the paperwork done, you know, getting gathering everybody up, you know, that I want that I want to be a part of, you know, the little organization. And we're just going to take it from the bottom up, you know. But next year, we're definitely going to make noise. Flamboyant everything. Everything. So, y'all, uh, you based in Aptown, Harlem? Might even have flamboyant production companies, everything, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely coming from Harlem, you know. Born and raised there, you know, 139, the danger zone, that's what we call it. And, you know, you heard, you know what I'm saying, the danger zone, you know, heard that on the first album. And, uh, you know, you can look forward to, you know, my man McGruff coming out, you know what I'm saying, he's going to represent Harlem. You know, I'm on a cut with him, you know what I'm saying, a couple of cuts with him. And, you know, Harlem on the rise. Yeah. Can't get it like that. Oh. Uh. sexual chemistry yeah. a, a good sexual relationship yeah, yeah, but that's all it was from your end from my end it was definitely like yeah it was like it was some type of I, I can't say I was in love with the girl because I know it wasn't that because I would have made it work I would have changed her if I was in love with her I could have changed her you know what I'm saying but it was it was definitely the sexual chemistry. That shit was bottled up for a long time. It was like we both wanted each other for a long time and never did nothing. And it was just like that's basically lust, bro. It was just like a lustful situation. She'll go her ways, I'll go mine. She wouldn't like the people she be with. I might like the people I be with, but not as much as I liked her. So it was just like 
Oh, we just go back. But that shit, that'll fuck you up, though. Like, put you in a fucked up situation, fucked up predicament. Anytime you guys would reconnect sexually, it was just as strong as it was previously, if not stronger. Better, yeah. Better, because I'm, I'm not, I'm the type of nigga, I'm, I'm figuring. I figure a woman's body out. I find spots, I find shit that's gonna make her, that's gonna drive her over her. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm used to fuck with older women, so, like, I know better than a lot of niggas. Like, a lot of niggas have sex to just get their nut off. You don't even know this bitch hates you for real, because she didn't come, she's not getting the same feeling you get. My goal is to, for a, a woman to get her, like, complete satisfactory and then I get mine so now it's like I'm like females call me the devil cause I'm soul searching like soul searching I'm trying to snatch your <laughs> soul <laughs> and then with, even with that being said now I, I can probably see why this bitch do the shit she do she don't want nobody else to have she don't want nobody else to have damn damn small that's crazy she don't want nobody else to have me. Thinking of that and see me repeating that and even saying that she don't want nobody to have me. Damn. <laughs> because on her end, she wants more. She wants more. She, at one point, she wanted to be girlfriend and boyfriend. She wanted, it was more than lust to her. Maybe. I'm the best nigga she ever had in her life. And I say that shit in public. I say it in public because I'm strong and I stand on I'm the best nigga she ever had in her life. Ever. So, I know for a fact right now, if I was to be able to forgive the shit she did, said, and the, and the tarnishing and, the, and the, everything, like she trying to ruin my image, like repeatedly, like making songs and all type of shit, I just don't give a fuck. Because it's like, people that know me know me, so they know all that shit that's being said, it's nowhere near me true. And I don't give a fuck, because I'm still living my everyday life. You can't find none of that weird shit on me at all. I'm, I'm straight. Like, if I wonder who I was today, motherfuckers would have been got hurt for this shit. But I'm going to get locked up and So I now, that shit, it, it, it eat at me because I just got to let it go. I got to let it happen. God forbid I bump into her, her people, somewhere, because something going to happen. Not not to me, but to them. Something going to fuck them. So it's just like, yeah, man. If I, if I was to, Forgive and forget that bitch would be on me right For you? Yeah, was it purely... What kept you going back <laughs> to this female that's unnamed in this interview? It Was it lust for you? Yeah, was it, it was purely that. sexual... That's exactly what it was. You guys had a good sexual chemistry. Yeah. A, a, a good sexual relationship. Yeah, yeah. But that's all it was from your end. From my end, it was definitely like, yeah. It was like, it was some type of, I, I can't say I was in love with that girl. Because I know it wasn't that. Because I would have made it work. I would have changed her. If I was in love with her, I could have changed her. You know what I'm saying? But... It was, it was definitely the sexual chemistry. 
that shit was bottled up for a long time. It was like we both wanted each other for a long time and never did nothing. And it was just like, that's basically lust, bro. It was just like a lustful situation. She'll go her ways, I'll go mine. She wouldn't like the people she'd be with. I might like the people I'd be with, but not as much as I liked her. So it was just like, I always go back. But that shit, that'll fuck you up, though. Like, put you in a fucked up situation, fucked up predicament. Anytime you guys would reconnect sexually, it was just as strong as it was previously, if not stronger. I'm better, yeah. I'm better, because I'm, I'm that. I'm the type of nigga, I'm, I'm figuring. I figure a woman's body out. I find spots, I find shit that's going to make her, that's going to drive her over her. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm used to fuck with older women, so, like, I know better than a lot of niggas. Like, a lot of niggas have sex to just get their nut off. You don't even know this bitch hates you for real because she didn't come. She's not getting the same feeling you get. My goal is to for a, a woman to get her, like, complete satisfactory. And then I get mine. So now it's like I'm, like, females call me the devil because I'm soul searching. Like, soul searching. I'm trying to snatch <laughs> your soul. Even with that being said, now I, I can probably see why this bitch do the shit she do. She don't want nobody else to have it. She don't want nobody else to have it. Damn. Damn, small. That's crazy. She don't want nobody else to have it. Thinking of that and see me repeating that and even saying that, she don't want nobody to have it. Damn. <laughs> because on her end, she wants more. She wants more. She at one point, she wanted to be girlfriend and boyfriend. She wanted, it was more than lust to her. Maybe. I'm the best nigga she ever had in her life. And I say that shit in public, I say it in public because I'm strong and I stand on I'm the best nigga she ever had in her life. Ever. So, I know for a fact right now, if, if I was to be able to forgive the shit she did, she said, and the, the tarnishing and, the, and the, everything, like she trying to ruin my image, like repeatedly, songs and all type of shit. Yeah. I just don't give a fuck because it's like people that know me know so they know all that shit that's being said. It's nowhere near me true. And I don't give a fuck because I'm still living my everyday life. You can't find none of that weird shit on me at all. Like, I'm, I'm street. Like, if I wonder who I was today, motherfuckers would have been got hurt for this shit. But I'm going to get locked up instantly. So I now, that shit, it, it, it eat at me because like, I just got to let it go. I gotta let it happen. God forbid I bump into her or her people somewhere because something gonna happen. Not not to me, but to them. Something gonna fucking happen. So it's just like, yeah, man. If I, if I was to forgive and forget, that bitch would be over. That's Daryl Kensington, though. That's Daryl Kensington, right? That's Daryl Kensington, right? Daryl Kensington.
why I, I I mean he's gotta he's gotta grab something, right? I, I just don't think that was the right thing to grab and, and I and I heard somebody say that this is probably a good time for Wilder to fall back, go on vacation, just take time to think and process and not do interviews because he may say things now that later down the road he regrets. You're right, it was it wasn't the forty pound uh, suit that he had on coming to the ring. That may have been a reason why his legs weren't there, but it wasn't the reason. I, I think it was the two hundred and seventy three pounds of flesh that Tyson Fury had on him that, that that wore Deontay down, as well as the punches and everything else he had to deal with. This is the thing. When you train hard and you, you're, you're in, you're in tip-top shape, you push yourself every day to exhaustion, and then you teach yourself to recover. Like, if you're in tip-top shape, I'm talking like like heavyweight, biggest fight in my life type of shape. I've, I've, I've trained like a Spartan for 10 weeks. You push yourself to a point every day, and then your body learns to recover. So in between rounds, after 30 and 45 seconds, you should be able to get off that stool, no matter how hard the previous round was, and go out there and do what you have to do. The suit may have affected him to a degree, but it should not have affected him or had an outcome on the fight, and I just don't think that that's accurate. Okay. How about a rematch now? People are talking about a rematch, but when I look at this fight, I saw Fury, as he said, 50% of himself. One thing about Tyson Fury is he'll tell you what he's going to do, how he's going to do it, and then he'll go out and do exactly that. Like, at a certain point, you got to take someone at their word to see if they're credible or not. He said, I was a 50% of myself when I fought Deontay the first time. There was good reason for that. I thought he won, like, I think it now 17, or what is it? No, uh, 12, 19 rounds they've boxed. I think Tyson Fury has won between 14 and 17 of those rounds. First as a boxer, won almost every round, and got up from Deontay's best yeah. shot in the 12th round to bring the fight to him. And then as a mauler, won every round and beat him up. Why would it be any different in a third fight? The only way that Deontay Wilder can put himself in a position to land the big right hand that made him famous, and that's the only way I believe he can beat Tyson Fury. You've said it before, many people have said it, and I agree. He cannot outbox Tyson Fury. That's no knock on Deontay, Deontay Wilder. That's We're just singing the praise of Tyson Fury. He has a track record of not just being a good fighter, not just being a tough guy when he needs to be, but he's also a great boxer. In order for Deontay Wilder to even have a remote chance to put himself in a position to land that shot is to do away with the excuses. I've seen this movie before. I've read this book where punchers, guy who built their reputation on fear and intimidation, all of a sudden that's cracked. And the first thing they start groping at is excuses. If it's not the trainer, it's this. If it's not this, it's that I've experienced that with the punchers that I was able to face and able to beat. He's got to own this, Max. He's got to shoulder it. He's got to get quiet. He's got to get away in his bag and really be honest about what did I do wrong in training camp? Was I listening? Was I training property properly? Was it a, was it a piece of me that I really started to believe my own hype and my own headline. That's the only way you can reconstruct and put yourself in that position because if it's everybody else's fault but Deontay Wilder's, he has no chance in the rematch. And even if he does do all the right things, it's going to be really hard to beat Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury's a lot bigger than him, first of all. And Deontay picked up the sport late. I want to make, be very clear about this, though, because a couple times I've probably slipped out and said, oh, he can't box. I think Deontay boxes better than giving credit for, actually. It's really not a knock against Deontay. The reason I don't want to see an immediate third fight is, sure, he always has a puncher's chance. Even then, we'll be on pins and early in that fight because that's how hard Deontay hits but I think of more I think more of him than just a puncher looking to land a lucky punch why would he reduce himself to that where if he builds himself back up properly not taking an immediate third fight he can achieve greatness maybe greatness again if you already consider 
interim great. I want to get to Mark Breland. Mark Breland threw in the towel. We discussed on the air, and I've been criticized for this and by people who don't pay attention, I suppose. I, I don't think it was a bad stoppage by Mark Breland. But I think there's a legitimate case to be made that Deontay deserved the chance to fight on because JD's, his other trainer, said, I would have let him go. Number one, it's the heavyweight championship of the world. It's not a, 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 a prelim fight or a guy who's getting five or ten grand and he's taking a beating and he has no chance to win because he's not a puncher. I do believe, even if it sounds barbaric, a champion... Two undefeated heavyweight champions fight with the title on the line. That guy has the right to take risks with his life that others do not on the altar of greatness. He has a right to that. I wouldn't dispute that stoppage. If someone said push comes to shove, was it a good stoppage? I'd say yes. I, I come down on the side of Greenland. But I think reasonable people can argue about it without the virtue signalers coming out and shouting them all down. So I do agree with Breland, but I could see someone letting that fight go on a little longer, too. Your thoughts? Well, you can always let a fight go on, you know, a little bit longer. And that wasn't the first time Deontay Wilder was in trouble. I think if we're all honest about this, Deontay Wilder was literally on shaky legs for the majority of the fight. And if you know boxing, you get the sense that something was going to happen and it was going to be imminent. If Tyson Fury was able to land up the right kind of shot that he wasn't able to land a couple rounds before the stoppage, maybe round five and round six, he just couldn't get the right shot. You got the sense that he was getting ready to get that shot in, in the corner. And I think it was a good stoppage. Now, let me say this about Deontay Wilder. He already checked the heart box by getting in the ring because it takes a lot of courage to get into a boxing ring. There were several moments in that corner where Deontay Wilder, he looked visibly beat up. He could have leaned into JD's and said, Coach, stop the fight. He didn't do that. We know Deontay Wilder has heart. Deontay Wilder going out on his shield, Deontay Wilder getting knocked out cold. We're not going to give Deontay Wilder any more credit for his heart than we would if he got stopped on his feet the way that he did. We're even talking about a third fight right now because the, the trainer, Mark Breland, did what he was supposed to do. Imagine the optics, uh, Max, if Deontay Wilder gets knocked out cold, face first, or if he's left in a heap in that corner. You really think a third fight would sell? You really think Deontay Wilder would be in a position psychologically and mentally to Breland demand? made him money, yep, and he's going to get Listen, fired for it. The fact yep. that we're even talking about this is credit to Mark Breland. We're in a sport where right is considered wrong and wrong is considered right. Mark Breland had more credibility in that corner and on that team than anybody else. He had been knocked <laughs> out before. He's taken losses before. And we keep talking about Deontay Wilder going out on the shield. I guarantee you, if you talk to the former <laughs> fighters who actually went out on their shields, talk to them five years down the road, talk to them 10 years down the road. Yeah, talk didn't need those last couple shots, down, did they? I guarantee yeah. you, Max, they're not talking the same talk. <laughs>
influenced through sport and it's heavily influenced through music. Hi, what's up YouTube? It's Dom here from Payday Pickups and I'm back with another video. I hope you lot enjoyed that intro. I thought I'd try something a little bit different. Today's video, as you can see from the title, we are going to be comparing the American fashion versus the UK fashion. So if you're new to my channel and you didn't know already, I am a fashion YouTuber from the UK, so I know quite a bit about the UK fashion scene. Whereas now I'm currently doing a study year abroad, I'm living in Philadelphia, I think it's my eighth month here now, so I've kind of incorporated and noticed a lot about the US fashion. So for today's video, I'm going to be breaking down the American fashion versus the UK fashion, showcasing a load of the similarities as well as a load of differences. But before we jump into the video, if you enjoyed that intro, be sure to hit that subscribe button and also that notification bell so you'll be notified every single time I upload a video. Anyways, let's jump into it. So the first category we're going to talk about, and you will see these worldwide, it is hype beasts. You know what hype beasts are? Hype beasts are people who like to wear expensive and the most items that are on trend and items that people can't really get. So the brands you'll probably see, you'll see Supreme, Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Off-White, Palace, all basically hype stuff. So they want to be wearing the most recent trainer, Yeezys for example. And you'll see loads of these, and a prime example of how similar they are with us in the UK and the US is Ari Petru and let's say Blazendry or Blake Linda. The only real difference I'd really say is the shoes that are more popular in the UK I'd say are Yeezys, whereas in the US it is definitely Jordans. Jordans aren't as big in the UK because basketball isn't as big, so people prefer wearing high top shoes I'd say in the US a lot more. So you'll see Jordans so much more within the US in comparison to the UK. For example, when the off-white shoes came out, the off-white 10, these shoes were so hyped for all hype beasts out there. The most popular one in the UK I'd say it was the Prestos, whereas in the US it was the off-white ones. So now I'm moving on to the second category, and this is one of the differences, and this is a chav. For you UK viewers, you should know what a chav is, and for all of you in the US, you probably won't know what they are. Chav basically stands for Council House and Violence. And what a chav basically is, it is like usually a youth, someone who pretty much doesn't care about too much, they like getting in trouble, going on the streets, getting in trouble with the police, etc. Typical outfit you'll see them wearing, you'll see these everywhere, the Air Max 95s, or as in the UK we call them 110s because they cost £110, the big stomper shoes, usually always all black, so you'll see any type of Air Max shoes, TNs also, and then over the top they wear, they like to wear like hiking gear, so you'll see lots of stuff like North Face, Berghaus, you'll see Under Armour, Rab, all these brands. And if you've never seen or heard about a chap before, here is a prime example of this video right here. It's me, Fraz! I'm fucking filming! Ah! Whoever put you through my letterbox, I'm gonna smash you in it! You're fucking dead! We'll find out who you are, we'll tie your dad up, we're gonna fucking bomb him! <laughs> That's it! You're a fucked it! I'm gonna chop your mum's ears off with a butter knife and I'm gonna cram them up your dad's ass! You don't have a bitch! Chavs also like to get in trouble a lot, they like to smoke weed, it's something they do that, it's hang out on the streets. And I'll show you this video right here. Kick it, Kev. Got on the bus with me, they say bars. Smoke the reefer in the car, no. Laid low, did a grand theft, da, da. But overall, 
overall, chavs is definitely a very British thing. I have not seen anything like that in the US. You rarely see people dressed in full like black tracksuits wearing North Face. I mean, I don't even see anyone here wearing like Berghaus or Rav. You'll see the North Face puffer every once in a while, but North Face puffers still fit in with the streetwear aesthetic because they've had the collaborations with Supreme. But chavs is definitely something you will see when you go over to the UK for all your US viewers. So the third type of style we're going to talk about, this is another different, something I've seen a lot in the US, which I have pretty much never seen within the UK. And this is kind of the trucker boy slash redneck fashion. The US, you've probably seen this a lot, but if you're from the UK, you probably would have never seen this. And a prime example, a song that's been very on trend, Little Nas, and I'll show you this video clip right now. So basically what a trucker boy slash redneck is, is they wear a lot of brands like Carhartt, Carhartt workers wear. For the feet, they usually wear a pair of either leather boots or a pair of Timberlands. And then on the bottoms, you'll see these everywhere. It's the light wash, dad wash, straight cut or like boot cut jeans, which go over the top of the boots, either in a light blue wash or kind of like the Carhartt kind of beigey wash. And over the top of that, they'll either wear like a vest or a plain white t-shirt, which you usually don't really see. And then over the top, they'll have a hoodie. It'll be like a really baggy hoodie. One of the Carhartt beige like workers wear jackets, like the very, very heavyweight wide ones. Or they'll be wearing a flannel. And usually they will have a beard. Like, I mean, I've seen so many of these people in the US with a beard. And then always, last but not least, they'll be wearing a trucker cap. If you don't know what a trucker cap is, it's where it has, like, the netting at the back. And then it has, like, the kind of foamy kind of front. Very typical thing I see in the US a lot. And Carhartt is a US brand. That's maybe why it's a lot more prevalent in the US. But this style is just something you don't really see in the UK. You don't really see, like, baggy workwear clothes like that. But someone I've just seen in the US. I mean, I love Carhartt, but... I'm not a huge fan of like the trucker boy that's redneck style. So the fourth style I want to talk about and moving on to another difference. This is something that once again you'll see a lot in the UK, mainly in the north side of the UK. I've not seen any of this in the US, but it is the fuckboy slash pretty boy style. The US you might know about this as well from TV shows such as Love Island, Geordie Shore. And what this style basically consists of, so this style is basically the lads, lads, the guys who like going out and just basically pulling any girl impossible, anything with a pulse. And basically the style consists of absolute spray-on skinny jeans, literally like men's leggings, tight as fuck. Um, usually they can consist of some distressing. Then on the feet, it's usually any like high-end designer shoes, so it could be like Yeezys, Alexander McQueen's, Balenciagas, Givenchy shoes. And then on the top, it's just any plain, simple t-shirt with a logo. Has to be a pretty tight fit. And some prime, prime examples of these uncreative brands. We have the Hera London. We have 11 Degrees, right? That is a shocking name. We have Jim King. And as you see from these photos, they are pretty much just a replica of one another with just their logo or their name printed on a plain t-shirt. Not gonna lie, I now hate this fashion sense, but in the past, I actually was once a person who dressed like this. I'm gonna roll a clip from my very first YouTube video. <laughs> Problem. 
play with it. And this is something which I think also is heavily influenced through sport. Whereas football players, they like to wear kind of tighter clothes. For example, like the Adidas and Nike Tech pants, they're like slim fit pants. Whereas like American football players and basketball players, they wear to wear slacks, which is kind of like baggy trousers. So that's why I think in the US there's much more baggy clothes, whereas in the UK there's a lot more tighter clothes. So the next category we're going to talk about it is vintage clothing. So this is my main aesthetic. If you see from my Instagram, majority of my outfits and fits are heavily influenced around vintage clothing. So from the UK and the US, there are a lot of similarities as well as a lot of differences. The similarities are the main brands, for example, what I'm wearing right here, vintage Tommy Hilfiger, vintage Ralph Lauren, Polish Sport, Nausicaa, Champion. These are all heavily in the US as well as the UK. There's actually a few differences. Within the US, a huge difference is they love their vintage band t-shirts. People love to rock single stitch vintage band t-shirts, whether it be like Metallica or they'd be like a rapper like Nas t-shirt or a two-pack t-shirt. Whereas in the UK, these vintage rap tees are something which you rarely, rarely see. And if you do, it's usually like a reprinted one from like H&M. And then another thing which is also big here, which I really like, it is the vintage NASCAR t-shirts. They got a really sick print, very, very colorful. Obviously not too big in the UK because we don't really have NASCAR. And then the last t-shirt, it is the vintage cigarette t-shirts. You may have seen it on my Instagram, a photo like this. I'm in love with the vintage Marlboro stuff. And you can probably see from my bag, I got a vintage Marlboro bag right there. And the vintage camel t-shirts. This is something which is kind of like growing a bit in the UK, but it's very big and prominent within the US. And then another style you see from vintage clothing, which is bigger in the US, is they always wear like a long sleeve white t-shirt as an underlayer and then they wear like a baggy vintage black t-shirt over the top. I really like this style, it's something a bit different. It's not that big in the UK but it's definitely grown a lot more in the UK. And then something you'll see in the UK, not as much in the US, is baggy sweatshirts. Like in the north, my university leads, everyone loves to just wear a baggy, comfy, oversized vintage sweatshirt, sportswear sweatshirt usually. The other brands which you see lots in the UK which you don't see much in the US because these are European brands is stuff like Umbro, Bila, Reebok and then even Adidas to be honest there's a lot of Adidas like equipment sweatshirts etc and if you go to the north of the UK you'll see lots of vintage baggy sweatshirts. So the next category I want to talk about it is DIYs. I'd say DIY and creative fashion is a lot bigger within the US in comparison to the UK and I think this is mainly due to like the rap culture the hip hop culture is huge within the US and rappers are always trying to look different and stand out. For example you see people like 6 9 mate, you got like coloured teeth, coloured hair so they always want to stand out so there's loads of DIYs like people love like paint splatter denim that own distressed denim you'll see loads of custom shoes here like people love to customize their Air Force ones and, and Air Forces in the US are probably the most common shoe you're going to see everywhere stuff like custom denim jackets, custom jewellery, people like getting custom iced out stuff. People in the US just like to, I think, flex more than people in the UK. I know people in the UK like hype these love to flex, but flexing, it is huge within the US. So the next category I want to talk about is like the classy menswear. It comes around the falls slash winter time within the UK. This is something I see loads in the UK and I haven't really seen in the US at all. People like to wear kind of like smarter menswear stuff. For example, coats like overcoats trench coats like pea coats like the double breasted waistcoats etc and they'll wear stuff like scarves they'll wear chelsea boots or like leather boots fitted men's jeans to go over the boots and then we'll wear stuff like turtlenecks and knitwear i may be being biased because i live in philadelphia and only go to pretty much philadelphia and new york 
And this kind of classy menswear style, I've not seen a lot within the US. In the US, people like to wear like more streetwear stuff when it comes to smart. So if they're wearing an overcoat, they'd like to mix it up with a hoodie, maybe more streetwear, and then they wear like Jordans instead of doing like the full smart menswear. Some brands which you'll see a lot in the UK are stuff like Ralph Lauren, Cos, Uniqlo, Reese, Calvin Klein, All Saints. These are huge brands which I see a lot of in the UK when it comes to winter time. Whereas in the US, I feel like the style doesn't change too much. People tend to stick to their streetwear. They kind of tend to mix smart with streetwear instead of just going for completely smart. I say this style aesthetic is heavily influenced once again by TV. For example, TV shows such as Made in Chelsea and The Only Way is Essex. Overall, I hope you guys enjoyed this video. Let me know if I've missed anything out, any similarities or difference. I'm also going to leave a poll as well of which you think is the better, the UK fashion or the US fashion. If you enjoyed this video too, be sure to hit that subscribe button and also to give that thumbs up button. It really goes a long way. Let me know in the comment section down below as well if you'd love me to go out and public and ask UK fashion or the US fashion but I really enjoyed this video and if you have the time be sure to go check out the rest of my videos I do loads of men's fashion I do how to styles I do trips to the thrifts I do shoe reviews I do loads of videos all based around men's fashion as well as videos on how to make money but overall have a nice day and I will see you lot in the next one Streetwear in general has always been trending.